on today's episode of Sports and the World, we talk about millennials, my unpopular opinion, my WWE report, and my big picture. That's today on Sports and the World. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and however you're listening to us, whether it's through Anchor, Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, thank you for making sports and the world a part of your day. I'm Ladarius Brown, and I hope all is well with you, but on a, on a serious note, you know, Hurricane Dorian is out there and should be making landfall very soon and I live in Florida and I wish all my other Floridians to be safe, be smart and be sound and that hopefully, you know, we can all get through it and we all get through it. I'll put it in that context. And with that, let's dive in. You know, this particular topic came about because of the whole Andrew Luck situation where Doug Gottlieb talked about Andrew Luck's retirement as being a millennial thing. And it got me to thinking that being a millennial myself, I think that's one of the hardest raps that we as a generation get is that we're quitters and we're, we want participation trophies and we want gold stars every time we do something. And that's not true for all millennials. Because what I say is that you got to look at millennials the same way you look at every generation. Every generation has flaws that go against the norm. That's with anything. And especially with millennials, I think it's very important to know that, listen, you know, when we grew up, listen, we were from 1981 to 1996. Listen, during that phase in time, you know, we dealt with everything from the Cold War, you know, all the way to to the war in Afghanistan, you know, in that, in those 25 years. And a lot of things took place, but also a lot of things that shifted the culture and shifted the norm. And that's what the new generation, generation X, the baby boomers, the silent generation you know, wars, economy, things change people. And we create these forms and these opinions based on that. So what I want to do is talk about, you know, millennials. And just talk about some things that I think are important to talk about. You know, some positive things. You know, I got this from Mental Floss. I trust Mental Floss. Listen, they hand out great Jeopardy facts too, so I check that out. What the thing to say about us as millennials is, we love to read. We read an average of five books as compared to the average of four books read by other generations in, in society. And we're more likely to visit public libraries. See, the biggest preconceived notion that, oh, we're, we're on technology, we're always on our phone. Listen, that's the generation after us. You know, I see a lot of people my age go to, I like public libraries because sometimes you like the space to get things done. And and I think people have to understand 
And especially, this this goes out to generations above us. I'm not saying we're not trying to change the way, but stop creating these preconceived notions. Listen, we like libraries just as much as you. We love books. You know, I remember going to University Park Elementary School, shout out to all my fellow pandas out there. Listen, I was in a book club. And I read all I read all the books in the C.S. Lewis series, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Fun fact, never I read some of Harry Potter, couldn't finish it. Like the movies were okay, but I couldn't finish the book. I literally said, here's the book. And the teacher asked me, well, what's wrong? I said, Muggles, Quidditch, I don't get it. You know, I saw it on film and I was like, oh, that's what that is. But I digress. And there's something else. Listen, listen, we're ready to, you know, we are more prepared for retirement than we think. Because we got to understand the generation that raised us. You know, in a way, you know, in more in more cases than not, it was, you know, Generation X had some influence there. But then, you know, baby boom, it's always important, you know, the trickle down. So we did learn, some of us did learn to prepare for retirement. Some of us did. And that would be, you know, when you see 20, 30 years down the road, you'll see. But for the most part, here's the thing. Bank of America and Merrill Lynch report that it found that 82% of millennials contribute to their employee and sponsored 401k. Listen, we're prepared because this is the thing that they need to teach in school. And I was talking to a couple of friends and I saw it on Facebook. They need to start bringing back economics because I remember back in high school, they would bring in from a bank teaching how to write checks. And some people didn't know how to write checks. Even to this day, it's all about using the card. I'll pay with my debit card. People can't write checks. And mind you, I understand why people may not write checks because, you know, technology is the wave of the future. But sometimes you got to break things down to a rudimentary sense. You can't write it. If you can't write a check, then what does that say about what does that say about us? I'm not saying like Generation X, they can write a check because baby boomers talk. So, but in most cases, our grandparents or our parents were baby boomers. So they taught just like, listen, they got to learn how to write checks. Simple stuff, financial stuff, and also we like to self-improve. Because listen, here's the thing: this is back all the way in 2015, but it's still relevant today. A 2015 study found that 94% of millennials made personal improvement improvement-related New Year's resolutions, which was higher than any other age group. Listen, I, I make a couple of resolutions, but you know, I think like somewhere around 75% keep them. So, because we understand that we're always trying to improve ourselves. Because we try to be, I think we're a generation of positivity. Don't let the media fool you. Don't let certain things fool you. For the most part, we try to create positivity. Because I'm not saying we're more laxed. But we understand that, listen, you know, the generation before, you know, they worked hard. And we remember some of our grandparents who worked in probably the greatest generation. They worked hard. And... And you know, and what you know, and I think, well, how does that tie in? In that we try to create resolutions to be better people, not saying that to be better than our grandparents, but to have the same level of work ethic, and that it's okay to take time off. It's okay to think about you because we do take a lot of vacation, and it's not because oh, you know, we're terrible, but it's always good to take that mental break. That's for any generation. You'll get burned out doing anything. 
It's why I say, you know, going back into sports, it's why you see some coaches get burned out, especially pro- college coaches or even professional NFL coaches. They get burned out. The hours it gets to. And you can get burned out really quickly if you keep doing the same thing in a repetitive way. So we self-improve and try to improve ourselves every year and not to be that type of person. You know, just, you know, one millennial opinion. But this thing is, but this, what I'm about to say is more important. We're voting more. And, and that's always stress. You have to vote. Because the thing is, and I was just talking, you know, I was talking about this, you know, to someone. And one of the things I always talk about, you go vote. Go vote because you're like, don't let, once again, don't let people tell you your vote doesn't matter. It does matter because you have a voice. Even that, I have to remind people, even though we live in a republic, which is law, the, the democracy comes in that we get to vote. And voting is important. I, and here's the thing, and I talked about Taylor Swift in the midterm. Here's the thing more millennials are voting than, more than ever. Between 2014 and 2018, listen, you know what the election turnouts were? They doubled from 22% to 42 And here's the thing. We cast 26.1 million votes in the midterm in 2018. And, and you know, and you want to know the result of that? Listen, as of 2019, there are 26 millennials serving in Congress, up compared to five from January of 2017. Listen, you know, you go people like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, depending on what side of the spectrum you go there. Listen, millennials, just like any generation, we shape the world. How we shape the world. How Generation X left us with the world. Listen, they worried about, listen, they were equally protest. They were equally anti And they passed it to us. But the more important value that they took away, that, that we should have got from them, is the importance of voting, the importance of having your voice heard. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Libertarian. Voting matters. Once again, don't let people tell you your vote doesn't matter. Because it does matter. Because it says, I was able to vote in here, and that's your voice. Because it's a voice for the voiceless, is what I always say. Listen, some listen, and also some millennials who give that voice, listen, LeBron James, all probably the best basketball player on the planet, in my opinion. You know, maybe he dropped down a little bit. Listen, he's a soldier. He built a school in Ohio. You know, he went back to his hometown, built a school. Listen, Beyonce, who we're going to talk about in the next second. Listen, her music, her activism. Listen, Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge. Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook creator, founder. Kim Jong-un. You know, Malala Yousafzai, Taylor Swift. Listen, these millennials shape the world where the good, bad, or indifferent, depending what side of the spectrum you're on. And I always stress to people that is that, and I said it a few minutes ago, every generation leaves something for us to fix. We're going to, what are we going to leave the next generation? What are we going to leave them? Because we have to leave it better. Listen, we may not like the next generation coming back, but the world is more important than us. The world will live on when we don't. Our legacy will live on when we don't live on. So what are we going to leave them? Because at the end of the day, listen, 
this is what I say. You want to know how we're shaping the world. We're going west. We're going to Silicon Valley. We're doing those things. Washington, Texas, Colorado. We're involved in the internet. Listen, we may be vegan. Some of us are vegan. I'm I'm not. Give me a porterhouse any day. But the point is that we're shaping the technology. We're shaping the future. And And the penultimate question is going to be is, not only what kind of world are we going to live in the next generation, but more importantly, why did we leave it to them? Because people, we can never figure out why. The why is the one thing out of the five W's and, and, and the why is the why. You can figure out the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why. You can figure, but you can't figure out that why. You can even figure out the how. But why are we leaving up this world? Because... And like I said, the only thing I can say is that we're leaving it to them that way because we know that they're capable. And we get, listen, we're raising them. Listen, we're raising them. We got a mentor just like this Generation X did us. Not D-Generation X, get it right. Generation X did. So, and later on, on the back end of this podcast, of this episode, I'm going to go into and talk about a gap between millennials and Generation X. And then a new generation... That's kind of sandwiched in between millennials and Generation X. But coming up next, a topic that may get me. Listen, I may have a bunch of people come after me. Well, internet trolls. Listen, we all know trolls live under bridges. Everybody knows that. I read that language in the wardrobe. <laughs> but we'll be back with that with unpopular opinion next on Sports and the World. And welcome back into sports and the world. And social media for the podcast is at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, you go to Sports and the World. It's Sports Ampersand for the word and the world. You can listen to this episode and every episode by going to the About tab and check out the content on there as well on Twitter and Instagram. So now I want to talk about Adele. And I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to anger people because I want people to be very clear on something. I love Adele in the same way that I love Beyonce. And and I want to talk about both of them. But what I label them may be an unpopular opinion and I'm willing to defend it because listen I love I love a very good female boy. <clears throat> excuse me for example in the 90s I was all about the Spice Girls Alanis Morissette Jewel listen I was all over that I love a good female voice and these two are probably the two uh, you know this generation there are others and and if you want to talk about it hit me up on social media and we can do that. I might create a poll. I might. After the, the Marvel tournament poll, which is going on, and I'll update that on social media. But I want to talk about Adele and Beyonce from different perspectives. Listen, between them, they have 38 Grammys, 23 of which go to Beyonce. That's the second most 
Grammys by a female, Allison Cross, Allison Cross and Union of Allison Cross and Union Station has 27. Adele has 15. The octave range. This is from various sources. Adele has a two octave. Beyonce is a three and a half octave. You know, number number of number one hits per Billboard. Four for Adele, six for Beyonce. And their ages are important. I'll get to why. Adele is 31, Beyonce is 37. So they're both in the hit to me. Oh my goodness. At least 30, 40 years of it. And it's great music. You're going to get from them. And to me, their best single, Wolling the Deep for Me and Adele, and Say My Name from Destiny Child. Go listen to that song and you'll understand why. So, before I get to the labels that may be unpopular, you know, back in, here's the thing. Back in 2016, Adele, she won five Grammys in one night. And then, of course, for album of the year 25. And I was looking at a Rolling Stone article that talked about what reasons why her album won over Beyonce's Lemonade. And I, and I agree with it for the most part. And, you know, first off, the Grammy voters, they were white, male, and old. And listen, people, listen, I'm not trying to make this a race thing, but listen, when you, and I'm not saying they're racist toward Beyonce, what I'm saying is that hip-hop and Grammy have a very story history. So, it's understandable, as great as an album as Lemonade was, they understood Adele's album. You know, some may say they favored Beyonce, but not just this album over Adele. So important demographics do matter in a lot of factors, and I think here it mattered there. And and quite frankly, I just think it was more popular. And I, I agree with Rolling Stones, it's more popular than Lemonade. Because, see, the thing is, Adele played more shows in 2016. Beyonce was campaigning. She was, you know... She was doing other things. That's not a knock. Adele performed 107 shows to Beyonce's 49. Once again, that's not a knock on Beyonce. It's just that if people hear a song over and over again and they like it, it's going to naturally peak interest of the Grammys and because it peaks us. And Adele put out the album the old-fashioned way. See, she, she refused to stream it on like Spotify, Apple. She refused to stream it. For a couple of months after it came out in you know late 2015, and it sold 7.5 million in sales. And you know, and Beyonce went to the viral title, did not sell as much. And she, like I say, doing it the old-fashioned way, it was risky. In the world of where we stream our music, she took a chance and it paid off. And quite honestly, this is the more important reason why I think 25 won. The vote was split. This is what I always say. When you have, and as I said, this for the Oscars, the Grammys, the Emmy, when you have two or more people from the same genre or the same movie or the same anything, you're creating a split. And that year, not only with Lemonade, but you had Justin Bieber's Purpose album and Drake's Views album in there, and it split the pop and hip hop because the only real pop. The only real, you know, uh, was was Adele's album. It was just pop. It wasn't hip-hop. It was just pop. And, you know, you can argue Bieber's kind of pop hip-hop. 
Drake's was straight hip hop. Adele, uh, excuse me, Beyonce's Lemonade was straight hip hop. My point is, is that it split the vote. And in Adele, that is a Sturgill Simpson. That is split, but it went Adele's way because the voter didn't know, well, should I vote for... Well, Drake's album Views was fantastic, and it is. Bieber's album was great. And, and it split the vote enough where people said, well, we'll just... And it split enough. We went to Adele. You see it in the Oscars all the time. I always say, if, an, if a film is nominated... If there's an actor, actors is nominated two from the same movie, it's hard for one of them to win. Not because their performances weren't great, but how do you it splits? Because now you have to look at the other three can other three nominees before trying to pick one out of those. And that's what the Grammys did. The Grammys said, "Well, we'll just pick the Adele album because we can't just dis- you know majority of the votes split between them." I guarantee you, Eliminate was second amongst voters, but I just think that when votes are split and divided, you know, the pop album, the truer album won. And so that's what that is. So, and it reminded me of a situation where, listen, well, listen, you know, school jobs. The Oscars did, and I just talked about it. Listen, I'm going to use the years 1980, 1990, 1998, the best picture. Now, Ordinary People won Best Picture. I know. You know what movie should have won that year? Raging Bull. De Niro, Martin Suskett. How did that not win? You know, 10 years later, Dances with Wolf. Kevin Costner, he danced. Listen, I didn't see him dance with the wolf. Maybe not. Listen, maybe he did, maybe he did. I'm not, full discretion, maybe I didn't get to that part of the movie. But, Goodfellas was nominated. I know, like, I'm not trying to pump De Niro stuff at you, but that was a better film. And then finally, 19, I could, I, there was a bevy to choose from, but I want to choose three. Shakespeare in Love. Listen, I love Shakespeare, but I was not in love with that. I was not in love with Shakespeare in Love. Saving Private Ryan was the better film. Like, we could argue accuracy, but listen, it was the better film. And you're like, Darius, what's your point? Sometimes things that are better get beat out by things that aren't better. You know, sometimes in a race, you know, you know, you can lose a race to somebody who's not better than you. Everyone has an off day. In this case, the Oscars will have three off years. But when I say this, if I said that Beyonce is the better performer, I think we can agree. But here's where people are going to jump at me on social media. Simply put, I just think Adele's the better singer. And people can understand. I don't think Beyonce is a terrible singer. She has a better octave. I loved her since Destiny's Child. But this is the point that I make. And this is why I say it's important. Adele can stand in front of a microphone and captivate a room. Beyonce has shown she can stand in front of a mic and do the same thing. But Beyonce, she's everywhere. She's a performer. She's probably, and I, and I, once again, I don't think it's unpopular. She's right up there with Michael Jackson, one of the best performers of all time. But my point is simply, Adele in front of a microphone is better than Beyonce. And how do I, how do I back that up? In the movie Dreamgirls, who won the Oscar? Jennifer Hudson did. 
because Jenna Bronson was the better singer in that movie. And Beyonce had the better role. I told people, listen, I love Beyonce and I don't want to, you know, piss off the beehive, but folks, that's my opinion. It may be unpopular, it may be popular, but both of them will be around in 20 years. That's no doubt. The question is, it's been ultimately Beyonce will be the, she'll still be performing and Adele will just still be singing. Adele does not have to sing. Imagine if she did Hello and she did the dramatics. You would say that doesn't fit. Just like with Beyonce. If Beyonce is standing in front of a microphone, even though she can, you'd be like, oh, wait a minute, where's the theatrics? So that's why I say Beyonce is the better performer. Male or female, her, Timberlake, Michael Jackson, that's a fine list to me. But Adele, if you, a good singer captivates a room cap with her, with her voice. And I think Adele just does that. I don't I don't dislike Beyonce. Let's be clear before the hate comes in. I don't. I'm just simply conjecturing is that she's the better singer. Like with Beyonce, I think her voice can we can lose sight of that because she performed. It's like with Michael Jackson. We know Michael Jackson can sing in the Jackson 5, but he was performing, he wasn't really focusing on the singing. It was singing slash the theatrics. Like Madonna, don't get me started there. But the point is, is that Adele can captivate a room. Well, that's why I think she's the better singer. Once again, both of them will be around in 30 years. I'm not knocking either one of them. Listen, I'll put it this way. Adele is a very, she can perform. She's a very talented performed singer. And Beyonce is a very talented performer who sings. And I don't think it's a knock to say that she's better, a better singer. I really don't. But if you do, you know social media, at Sports the World on Twitter and Instagram. And Facebook is sports in the world. But what was not an unpopular opinion is in my WWE report, I give you my top five female wrestlers in WWE. That's next on Sports and the World. And welcome back into Sports and the World. And once again, social media is at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's Sports and the World, ampersand for the word, and the world. Check out all the content there. Go to the About tab, hit the link, and listen to this episode and every episode on only, not only here on here on Anchor, but on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. So now, folks, in this WWE report, you know, I like doing lists and doing polls if you haven't figured that out already but I want to talk about the top five female wrestlers in WWE and you know and I got these great stats from the internet wrestling database or IW and, and I'm basing it on certain things the record of the other female do not matter I go by A the potential and be what they've done. So, once again, records don't matter. I go by potential in terms of what they can do, what they inquire, what they can't do. And I go by long term. So with that, number five, I got Ronda Rousey. Listen, she won the Raw Women's Championship. And what I say was that she should have been involved in the feud with Becky Lynch. You know, I understand they have Sasha Banks, you know, and I get that. But 
Ronda Rousey to me, listen, for everyone thought, oh, she's a part-time wrestler, she wrestled a heck of a lot more than Brock Lesnar has. And Brock Lesnar just, Brock Lesnar's the guy that, you know, he, he comes in, he clocks in, you know, he collects a check and he goes, Ronda Rousey earns her check. And we know those people who, versus those who earn the check and those who just sit there and collect it. And I think, listen, she's a better wrestler than what I thought she could. And mind you, she had MMA experience, UFC. But sometimes I thought the transition would be harder for her simply because of a mental aspect. Because listen, the last time we saw Ronda Rousey, she lost to Holly Holm, if I'm not mistaken, in a huge upset. And she stepped away and she did her movie. She did her. So mentally getting back into maybe not the octagon, but getting in the square circle. Listen, she's still learning. And I think it's so to me, she's she's a top five female in the company who hopefully will be back at some point this year. Number number four, I have the boss, Sasha Banks. Listen, Sasha Banks is 216, 162, and 13. She's 14, she's 14 and 16 at pay-per-views. Listen, she took the ball and went home. She said it in her promo. She took the ball and went home. And I stay with Booker T. I'm not going to apologize. Because you've heard me talk about it ad nauseum. She took the ball and went home. I ask you, what job can you take the ball and go home and still have that job waiting for you? Not a lot of jobs. Okay, there's always a line. And even, like like I said, Charlie Sheen was on the number one show in television, Two and a Half Men, and he talked about Chuck Lorre, the boss. He got fired. Sasha Banks, I guess, you know, there was no line. But I think taking the ball and going home, crying and throwing a fit, look, to say that you didn't want to be, and I know it's a promo, but listen, her being the champion, listen, what have we seen now? You know, now we're like, oh, in hindsight, you know, maybe it wasn't the worst idea to put the belts on her and Bailey. There's a reason for that. But now all of a sudden she comes back, and all of a sudden she's had a title match at Clash of Champions. And I go, listen, I understand, but how do you reward someone for that behavior? Like, listen, it's like they do the same thing with with Brock Lesnar. You can't reward bad behavior. Just show up. And listen, I'm not saying Sasha Banks is Brock Lesnar, but I'm simply saying that you can't simply reward bad behavior. It's just a very dangerous precedent. Any business in any company, if you let one person get away with it, you gotta let the next person get away. If you don't, it becomes dangerous. And listen, she's a way better, way, way better heel than she is face. I've said it once, I said it beginning. If they were to become a, if they would have been a heel tag team, no problem. Trying to make Bailey a, you know, I'll get to her in a minute at the back end of this list. But I, you know, she's just a better heel than face. Number three is Alexa Bliss. Listen. Listen, she's 76 and 137 and 1. 11 and 16 at pay-per-views. Listen, don't let that fool you. Listen, she benefited from when Sasha Banks was absent. Somebody will need to step up. And Alexa Bliss stepped up. She's a company per- Listen, I'm, I'm super high on Alexa Bliss because her personality, her... Listen, her promos are always great. 
Like even now they're a tweener. You know, they're a tweener her and Nikki Cross. That's fine. But more importantly, is she being overprotected or is she not being protected enough? Because I think at some point you see where certain superstar is, you know, I think she reached the point where she does deserve to be protected. That might be an unpopular opinion. But folks, she's a multiple time raw and, and SmackDown Women's Champion. She's a tag team champion. Listen, WWE's high on her for a reason. Number two, I got the man, Becky Lynch. Listen, she's 247, 125, and 14. But she's you know 14 and 22 in pay-per-views. Listen, she's the best female or male superstar of 2019. I don't think the year that she had and still having is probably one of the best years in the company. You know, you could argue for a female. Listen, she's had a great year. You can always say, okay, she had the best year. She won on WrestleMania. I don't care how she won. I don't care what the referee, you know, counting, you know, she's the champ. She's the man. But my biggest question, it's a question. Maybe does she need some time off? It's the same thing I said about her now fiance, says Rollins, congrats. Is that, listen, some time off, listen, you get hurt. They're fighting every night. They, you know, it seems. And and I think at some point, do you give them that time off to relax and to heal? You know, do you do that at some point? But, you know, my number one is Charlotte Flair. And listen, she's 251 and 157-11. She's 27-6 in that paper. Look, love her or hate her, She's the best and most consistent superstar in the female. Listen, I understand what people you don't like her. I get it. Her last name. I, I, I T totally get it. But here's the reality, folks. You can't teach what Charlotte Flair has. You can't teach the size or athleticism. You can't teach none of that. She's like LeBron James. You can't teach that. You know, and, and that's, you can't teach that. Listen, she has the genetics, she has the genes. It's like what I said about Randy Orton. You have the genes and the genetics. That's half the battle. But can you match it? But Charlotte Flair deserves everything. Listen, she's going to beat Bailey at Classic Champion. She's going to be a 10 time champion. Folks, you just better be prepared for it. Because I don't think WWE can only hold off for so long by having Bailey as their champion. Because did you see SmackDown? Her and Lacey Evans. I'm not blaming Bailey. That's on Lacey. And I like Lacey. But when you hear arm drag, you're like, you don't know your cues. Like, simple. And Bailey, and listen, Bailey tried to make that match look good, but it was hard. And that's why I said to, and I was convinced when I saw that, oh yeah, Charlotte Flair is going to win that class champion. Because I do not want to see, it's not even fair. Charlotte Flair is the best athlete. You could argue probably top five, you know, top ten athlete in that company, male or female. Forget the last name. She has the genes. She has the talent. And, I, and that's me. She's the best female. And it's not even close. Love her or hate her. I don't, listen. I, and I said it, well, I did my podcast with Chris. You know, popularity is not important. I think I talked about it from the last podcast. I did. Popularity is, you know, listen. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So once again, I got Ronda Rousey 5, The Boss 4, Alexa Bliss 3, Becky Lynch 
two, Charlotte Flair, number one. Once again, thanks to the Internet Wrestling Database for the information. And when we come back, we're going to wrap this up with my big picture. That's next here on Sports and the World. And welcome back into the final segment here of Sports and the World. And if you've listened so far to the very end, once again, I truly do appreciate it. I always do. Your listener listenership means the world to me. And once again, you guys are the driving force. And I'm just merely the chauffeur. And one more time with the social media, it's at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's Sports and the World. It's Sports percent for the word and the world check out the content on there and go to the about tab click the link and listen to this episode and every episode and just a quick programming note there will be a special edition of the football edition of sports in the world tomorrow where i sit down and talk to my good friend chris gooden and we talk about everything under the sun so tune in for that on saturday and now i want to dive right on in to this you know and I mentioned earlier there's always a gap you know in some type of form you know there's the Cumberland gap and through the clothing the gap but generationally there can be huge gaps and when you have gaps in generation it's a logic in the way that we you know perceive things the way that we dress so you know the gap you know a gap in a generation is very significant like between my father and you know and myself there's a 39 year age gap so we think differently on social issues we think about things differently on political issues and that doesn't mean that no one's right no one's wrong but it's our opinion because of the generation it's not because one of us is right one of us is wrong we got to get out of that we got to factor in the age of the person that we're talking to and their perspective but sometimes let's be honest some ignorance is bliss but for the most part factor in on the generation and and between speaking of generations between the generation x and the millennials there's a a supposed other generation called zenials and they were born between 1977 and 1985 and according to usa today and pew research center you know they said that quote those born on the cusp of where Gen Xers and Millennials meet and therefore experience world events and especially technology in unique ways particular particular to their age. So what are Xenials? And we do factor in because listen, you know, each generation, you know, gets 25 years. So, you know, something in the middle is right, it's right smack dab in the middle. So what exactly are the traits of Xenials? So thanks to the Business Insider, here's a couple of traits. They played that door and they couldn't text their friends. Listen, millennials say that, listen, we could. In the context of, we may not text our friends, but we were able to communicate with our friends. And you know, we kind of shared that and there was like an in-between. Listen, we played outdoors, but we could text our friends too. You know, phones, you know, were prevalent, we could. You know, listen, they may have used Hotmail, but also navigate social media like they were born into it, like cell phones. 
listen, when Generation X did had you know couldn't millennials could once again there's that in between. But listen, they handle it just like riding a bicycle. Xenials could. Also, those born in the early '80s are neither depressed like Generation Xers or overtly optimistic like millennials. So there's that happy medium where they're not too high. But they're not too low. They're right in the middle, just where they are. And it's you know, as a millennial, one thing I talked about it on the top of the show, of the episode. But listen, you know, self improvement. We're always trying to be optimistic. We're making resolutions. We're reading. We're trying to. We're just more opt. I'm not saying that we're like uber cheery and happy. But listen, we do try to avoid pessimism. And Gen, Gen Generation Xers, you could argue maybe a little bit, you know, maybe you know they're depressed because listen, we got to factor in the things that they went through as well. So I decided to do a comparison between millennials and Generation X, from education, college completion, marriage, household income, and, and a notable trait of each. So we'll, let's start with education, and these, and this came from the Pew Research Center. 25% of millennials completed high school. 30% of Generation Xers completed high school. So it went down 5%. But here's here's the more interesting thing. The bachelor's for, for, for millennials, for bachelor's degrees and higher, 39%. And, you, and for bachelor's for Generation X, 29%. So even though we weren't necessarily graduating high school, but you know we were getting greater degrees. And as far as college completion, listen, women in this generation, the millennials, forty-three percent to the men of thirty-six percent in completing college. For Generation X, thirty percent of women and twenty percent men. But you see that. That's why I'll stress the importance of women in STEM because listen we have to promote that and and like I say Generation X we went from 31% to 43% and for men we went from 28% to 36% the women had the bigger jump because we have to encourage more women to do STEM science, technology, engineering and math we have to do that but here's the thing here's the biggest gap marriage 57% of Generation Xers got married. Millennials, 46%. I'm not saying we're like, we're, we're, you know, we're having one night stand. But as a millennial, when you have all these social media, dating social media apps, when you have, you know, Tinder and you have Match.com, you got all these, you know, so, you know, dating apps, it could be very difficult to be monogamous. Listen, almost half you know still you know are married but on that same spectrum that's why a lot of marriages don't last it's because you know we we find it hard to stay in love with one person but i'm not saying you know you live on some big the big open field and just get it no i'm not saying that we just find it the way we define love is not how gen x are defined love and i think technology is a huge factor because when we see oh I want to be with that person, that person, that person. So we don't want to tie ourselves down 
down the road. Listen, once again, some of us do, some of us don't. But for Generation X, overwhelmingly, they got married. And and some notable and a notable fact about Generation Xers, when it comes to employees, Generation X employers are 25 more, 25 percent more eager than millennials to know in advance what's expected of them before tackling a problem. So Gen Xers are very good at saying, okay, the awareness, the mental acuity gets up. They're well aware of like, okay, this is how we solve the problem. Like, this is what we expected. Everyone knows. It's kind of like you can delegate it to someone and you don't have to, you know, follow them. Generation Xers are very good at that. More than millennials. And I can agree with that. You know, but listen, they're more eager than millennials to know in advance what's expected of them before attacking. So before a problem's even tackled, they know what's expected of them to solve the problem. You gotta do this, this, and this. In a way, I'm kind of like that. Because in a way, you know, because in a way, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm a little Gen X, but some of us have that trait of millennials. Some of us do, some of us don't. That's for every generation, as I mentioned earlier. But, you know, it's that I, you do this, you know what it is before they know it. Solve the problem, move on. But notable traits for a millennial, millennials change jobs up to 20 times in their career. That's according to the Education Advisory Group. Listen, it's the same thing I say about marriage. When you see so many opportunities, you find it hard to stay at one. It could be because of money. It could be because of boredom, you know, change of scenery, whatever it is. Having, but my thing is, is that it's a believable number. Because when you have so many opportunities to do so many things, why limit yourself to one? It's not like in the days where some people kept the same job for 30, 35 years. You know, some kept for 50 years, got a gold watch, retired. No. It's about mobility. You see it in the NBA. You see it in you see in the NBA. LeBron James moved from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, and now is in LA. Mobility. I've always believed in mobility. If you have an opportunity and you want to progress and do better, take it. There's nothing wrong. It's not a crime to do better. If a job in Seattle is is a great opportunity for you, then the job in I don't want to knock a state. I'm going to get knocked from the Beyonce thing earlier. Let's just say, let's just say on the East Coast, you want to go out west. Go listen, or really go west, young man, or go go west, young woman. Take the opportunity because we don't want to limit ourselves. We don't want to limit ourselves, and none of us in general we want to. We don't want to limit ourselves, and and let me say this. It's not the worst thing in the world to have multiple jobs because at some point you figure out the right one and you stay a long time because you want to explore. But like I say, if, but when you move from job to job, take something away from it, from the experience and take it on to the next job. Don't take the anger and the vitriol. Take the positivity. Take the optimism. Take all that to the next job and you'll see how... You may be starting out in the mail room and you'll see it progressing. You'll be working in the boardroom. So when we talk about 20 jobs, we're not talking like, oh, well, I was a dishwasher here. Then I was a dog walker. I'm not, I'm not knocking the profession. And then I was a then I was a teller here. No, if you can go from the mail room up to the boardroom, you, you would have multiple jobs, but take away the experience is my simple point. 
And my simple point is that we're out of time for this episode of Sports and the World. And once again, there'll be a football edition of Sports the World tomorrow, you know, due to the hurricane. And once again, as I said on the top, be safe, be, be safe, be sound, and be smart. And, you know, and there's a report now they're telling people, they're telling people right now to be on high alert. So be on high alert, high alert. That's just reaching that category four strength. Be careful out there. For those like myself and for other Floridians, be careful. Be safe, be smart, be sound. And until I hear your voice, to you, I should say, till you hear my voice again, to have the pleasure of listening to having you listen, be real, be you, be blessed. Once again, be safe out there. Until the next time you and I go together on this journey of sports and the world. Have a great day, afternoon, or night.